Yeah, big time. I didn't realize like all these benefits were going to come with it. I didn't realize I knew that it would probably make me feel a little better. But like I said, I honestly, I wasn't sure how sustainable it was going to be. And it, now it makes me laugh when I see people who say, oh, it's it's not sustainable. And I'm just like, really? Because I've been doing this for three years. And I've talked to people who have been, you know, eating a ketogenic diet for 20 plus years. Like, tell me what is not sustainable about that? Join me on another episode of the One Take Stoic and Thriving on Fat podcast. As always, I'm your host, Megan, and today I have special guest Christy with me. Say hi, Christy. Hello. Alrighty. So, we will be learning a little bit more about Christy in a few, but before we do that, we'll be doing the One Take Stoic quote before we get into the rest of the episode. The quote is, do not be ashamed of help, and that's by Marcus Aurelius. So the thing I love about that quote is that it's so true because you can't do anything good or important or you really can't better yourself without help and you shouldn't be ashamed of asking for help. What do you think, Christy? I think that's really, really good way to put it. I think, you know, the whole theme of my life and in the stuff that I've been looking into, especially with keto in general is that you you know you really can't do it alone but that's okay and you're going to meet a lot of people along the way that are going to help you out and hopefully you can help them as well and so I feel like that's a really really great quote I think it's a really big common misconception that you have to be this untouchable um superhero but that's not necessarily true asking for help is not a bad thing Oh, yeah. I mean, look at any really awesome athlete, Michael Jordan, uh, Michael Phelps, the um, blanking on the CrossFit chick name, but the fittest woman alive and the same thing with the guys, they all have a coach. They all ask for ask for help and they look for, you know, somebody to spot their weaknesses because it's sort of like painting a masterpiece when you're there and painting. It looks awesome, but you don't really notice the problems until you take a step back, ask for somebody else's guidance and help and reevaluate where you are. Because if you're, if you don't allow yourself to ask for help and be go be coached and guided along the path, you just might be practicing the same thing the wrong way. Because it reminds me of that quote, um, uh, oh, goodness gracious, I'm forgetting it. It's practice makes perfect. I've always yeah. had a big problem with that is because it doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent because if you're practicing the wrong thing again and again and again, for example, you know, much of the nutritional dogma and whatnot, you're practicing the wrong thing. So you're getting really, really amazing at that wrong thing. But unless you have somebody to help you, you can't realize that you're doing the wrong thing. You're going the wrong way. You know, you should have gone left, but you went right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like it says a lot that a, an emperor is even saying, like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Oh, yeah. That's one thing I love about Marcus Aurelius is that he was an emperor of the whole entire, you know, the largest portion of the Roman emperor, the empire at the time. And he even had a co-emperor, which is his brother, but... He wrote these meditations on a daily basis to basically remind himself to be humble, to be kind, to always make sure to get counsel because you don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. If we had all the answers, well, we wouldn't be human. Yeah. I feel like life would be boring if we had all the answers. Right? Because, I mean, even if we have all the right answers... If we go back to the same vein of uh, Marcus Aurelius around the same time, it was, that's before that, but all of the Greek myths and whatnot, mm. when they were, when they'd be told how they'd die or whatnot, when they'd go to the, uh, not the muse, but I'm blanking on the guy they talked to. But anyways, they'd go and they'd find out their fate. And what they'd do is they'd try to, their hardest to go away from their fate just to end up with the fate. 
Right. Because they didn't ask for help and they didn't ask for guidance and they didn't, they were a little bit too self-consumed, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, and even then, like, asking for help, like I said, is beneficial not only for yourself but for someone else because mm-hmm. if you've gotten help with something now you can turn around and help someone else with that same knowledge that you've just gained yes I love it because yeah when you teach somebody you're learning it twice you're learning it that much better I think it's like you learn 80% more 80% better or at least retain more of that information when you teach somebody mm-hmm. and just that is freaking phenomenal yeah you know just don't be afraid of saying, I don't know, and ask for help to address the question because you can't know everything. And also, you can't know what you don't know. Yeah. And I feel like for myself, like I said before, it's just, it's been something that I've worked on for a long time because, you know, it's, it, everyone has, it's all about the ego and what hurts your ego. And when you can ask for help, you let that go. And so that's been something that I'd worked on in the past. And, at this point, you know, I'm definitely not afraid to ask for help. That's for sure. <laughs> that's very awesome. I mean, well, with what you do on a daily basis, you probably have to ask for help a lot because you do like experiments and stuff, right? Yeah. So basically I'm working in a, I'm working in an academic setting in an academic lab, and there's a lot of preparation that I do for labs for students, um, for students to do things. And so there are times that you know, basically when I got this position, there were a lot of things that I hadn't done prior. So yes, I had to ask for help or I had to look things up or I had to um, ask for help from former colleagues on how to do things. And, you know, at first I, at first it was a little bit embarrassing because I felt like, okay, I've got this degree, like I should know what I'm doing. But the truth of the matter is, is when everyone starts or when everyone, or even in a new job, nobody knows what they're doing a hundred percent of the time. Um, So yeah, I definitely had to ask for help with that, but that was completely fine. By doing that, I was able to do the right thing. And by doing the right thing, I was able to provide a good learning environment for students. Um, so it's just a good snowball effect. Nice, right? Sometimes you just need to help yourself to ask. Yes. And, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Somebody, you know, face palms and then helps you anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, cool. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself and your health journey to keto? Yes. So my health journey, it's kind of a long and winding road. Um, But basically, you know, when I was a child, I was sick a lot. Um, I had a lot of uh, tonsillitis, just a lot of inflammation in general. Um, I was overweight as a child. And my mom, you know, had tried everything as far as, you know, getting me to lose weight Uh, But I think because I was so sick all the time, I was just very, my body was just very inflamed. And I mean, I would get tonsillitis, gosh, maybe three to four times a year. And when I was 10 years old, the doctor told my mom, like, hey, look, if she gets tonsillitis again, we're probably going to, you know, take her tonsils out. And weirdly enough, I'm not really sure what changed. But at that point, I had stopped getting tonsillitis. Um, In the meantime, though, I had been having GI issues for as long as I can remember, you know, a lot of bloating, a lot of pain. And doctors would just tell my mom, you know, it's probably just IBS. It's, it's normal. Um, something else that they told my mom was normal. Uh, I had a lot of joint pain as a child. And, you know, it was really, it was really tough because I think that's kind of what led to me being more inactive as well, because it was having all these body pains. Um, and so, you know, I had all these weird things going on, but it was always brushed off as something that was just kind of normal or not a big deal. Um, when I was a teenager, I decided that I would try to go vegetarian. So I thought maybe that would help. Of course, my GI issues were way worse uh, during this time. And then when I got into college, I actually tried veganism. And that was, you know, another I actually had lost a lot of weight when I was doing, when I was eating a vegan diet. The problem was though, is I definitely was not healthy. It wasn't a, it wasn't a healthy weight loss. Um, but you know, these GI issues I had persisted when I would go through periods of high stress. So if I, when I was in college, if I had a huge presentation, of course it's really stressful 
And I would get tonsillitis again. And I had seen an ear, nose and throat doctor. And he basically said, you know, this isn't any sort of infection or anything. This is due to stress. You're having a high inflammatory response to stress. And that's why you're getting, you know, these swollen tonsils. This is why you're probably having all these joint pain issues, you know, and so on and so forth. So in 2009, I went to Peru with my family. I'm half Peruvian. So we went to Peru. And when we got back, I was having the worst issues with my stomach, worse than I had ever had before. And I went to go see a doctor and they thought, well, you know, sometimes when people travel, you know, they get not to be TMI, but they get traveler's diarrhea. Um, So that's probably what you have. So we're going to give you this antibiotic. So they gave me this antibiotic and it turned out to be, um, I I believe it's called Levaquin. It's a very strong antibiotic. I ended up having an allergic reaction to this antibiotic. Um, And so they took me off and I just started developing these weird food allergies, just seemingly out of nowhere. Um, So then it got to a point where I was nauseated every single day. I mean, legitimately every single day. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to go to see a GI doctor um, and get checked out. So I talked to her and she tells me, you know, we can do a colonoscopy and endoscopy. We'll run some lab work. So I go through all of that. And when I was coming out of the sedation from my colonoscopy and endoscopy, she said to me, you know, there's really nothing I can see that's wrong. Um, And she handed me like a packet with images. Um, And I just thought to myself, you know, this, that doesn't seem right. Like this can't be normal to feel so sick all the time. And so two weeks later, I went back to her office to get results and she just, pushed a piece of paper across the table to me. And she said, well, she's like, you actually have celiac disease. And she's like, I don't know much about it. She was like, but you can go online and Google it and (laughs) figure out what you need to do. Mm -hmm. So of course I have like a million things going through my head because I'm like, what is celiac disease? The only thing I knew at the time was that people who had it eat gluten-free. And I thought, oh my God, that sounds terrible. Like I won't be able to eat anything that I like you know, what am I going to do? I had all these like thoughts swirling through my head and I felt very lost as well because, you know, she basically didn't have answers for me. I mean, I'm glad she was honest about it, about yeah. not knowing anything, but at the same time, it was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I don't have anyone to talk to about this, but went online, looked it up, you know, and celiac disease is an autoimmune disease. And basically um, eating anything with gluten, which is a protein found in wheat, basically triggers an autoimmune response. And so basically my body attacks itself in the intestine anytime I eat gluten. And so it makes sense now as to why I was having so many GI issues, you know, as a child, why I was having all of this systemic, you know, body-wide inflammation, um, Mm -hmm. the joint pain, that's a big symptom for people. So, you know, I'm reading about this and I'm just like, wow, you know, this makes so much sense now. So I decide at that point, I'm going to go on a gluten-free diet. Um, So I did. And so at that point, I just cut out gluten and I felt like I was eating pretty healthy at that point. And to be honest with you, I wasn't eating a lot of gluten. I I, I guess before then I had started kind of exercising, you know, I had just found the gym. So I was trying to clean up my diet a little bit. I was trying not to eat as much processed and refined carbohydrates. So I had kind of cleaned it up a little bit prior. Um, But once I went, once I found out I had celiac disease, I went completely gluten-free. And within a couple weeks of going gluten-free, I mean, I lost 15 pounds. And I think it had a lot more to do with inflammation in my body than it did actual fat loss in my body. And I'm, I'm sure there was water weight that went with it just from cutting out certain things. But, you know, like I said, there really wasn't a lot of, I really wasn't consuming that many processed carbs at that point. So that was, that was my first step. And at that point, you know, I started becoming really passionate about my health because I felt like at that point I had to take my own health into my own hands because I wasn't really getting help or answers um, from my doctor. So at that point, yeah, I started looking into different things. And at the same time I was going to, uh, I was going to university, I was getting my bachelor's in biology. And at Mm -hmm. that point I was wanting to, uh, go to veterinary school and become a veterinarian. So that was my trap. But the more I read about, 
you know, health and immunology and how the body works and stuff. I just thought, wow, you know, this is pretty interesting, but I kind of just kept it as, as something on the side, something that I, you know, kind of thought was fun in a weird way. So (laughs) fast forward, I tried to, I tried different things, you know, going gluten-free wasn't the last thing I did. You know, I tried at that point, I think I tried doing, I, I went and did whole 30. Um, then I went from whole 30 into doing paleo. And then after I was doing paleo for a while, I started, um, the autoimmune paleo diet. And so that one's kind of like a, like an elimination diet, so to speak. And I did that for a bit, but then eventually, I don't know, I guess for me it wasn't sustainable or maybe I just wasn't in the right mindset at the time, but I just, I didn't really stick with it. I ended up just going back to my normal gluten-free diet. I always kept it gluten-free. Um, and then, I went to Colorado to get my master's and I got a master's in microbiology and immunology. And when I went and did that master's program, I started learning more about research so much more than I had known before, just because I had just like a one track mind with the whole veterinary school thing. Hmm. And at that point I, I decided that maybe I didn't want to go to veterinary school. Maybe I wanted to do something with, with research or just something different. Um, and so at the end of that program, when I graduated, I did get a job at the, at their, they have a diagnostic laboratory at their veterinary school. So I was working there. It was fun. I was doing molecular diagnostics, which was pretty neat. But during that time I had started having a lot of health issues kind of pop up again, which didn't make sense to me because I knew that I was eating gluten-free. Like I, I didn't understand why I was having joint pains again and just overall feeling sick. And so I ended up going to see Um, a doctor and I had a bunch of lab work done. And in that lab work, a lot of inflammatory markers were really high. And then they had done an ANA, which, you know, tests for autoimmune disease and that had come up positive. And so they were trying to figure out, you know, what it was. They, They gave me all these tests for like rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, just all different kinds of autoimmune. They kept coming up negative. And it was, it was a really frustrating time because I had to wait long periods of time between doctor's visits to get in. Uh, My insurance was being kind of weird at the time as well, because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't working. I was a student. Um, And then when I went to work at the diagnostic lab, having the insurance help, but it was still just kind of a weird, tricky um, thing that I had to go through. But I had started reading online about the ketogenic diet. And at that point it was, I really didn't know that much about it. I had heard about it before. And I honestly, I may have tried it before and and not done it correctly. Um, I'm pretty sure I used to go to Starbucks and ask for lattes with, um, instead of the milk, ask for heavy cream. And so at the time I didn't realize that I'm probably drinking like 1200 calories because they're pouring all the heavy cream (laughs) into your cup. Um, so yeah, I definitely wasn't doing that, um, correctly. And so I started reading about it on Reddit of all places. There's a huge community on there for keto. And I thought, you know, I'm having a lot of issues. A lot of people are saying that they're just, they're feeling better overall. You know, there are people talking about weight loss, people talking about their health. So I thought, you know, that might be something to try. The other thing though, I will say that I was battling with at the same time that I will admit is that I had a serious, serious sugar addiction. And of course we know sugar drives inflammatory processes. And I guess I was somewhat connecting the dots with that and thinking, you know, cutting this out should definitely help. And I kept putting it off. I'm going to do keto next week or next month. And I just remember in December, it was actually Christmas Eve and I was alone. Unfortunately, my family was in a different state. And I wasn't able to go see them. And so I was like, I'm going to watch Christmas movies and bake cookies or whatever. And so I did, but I ended up sitting there and eating all of the cookies that I baked in one Mm -hmm. sitting while I was watching the movie. And I was so disgusted with myself. I was just like, you know, this isn't right. I feel like sugar is kind of ruling me right now. And so the next day I decided I'm going to cut out sugar. I'm going to go keto. And so I did. And I'm an... I'm one of those people that I'm all in Mm -hmm. when I do something. And so honestly, I didn't have any difficulty with, with doing it. You know, I definitely had that, you know, low electrolytes, really tired keto flu thing, which remedied once I drank some bone broth and, you know, drank some electrolytes or whatnot. Um, But 
I didn't even realize like how good I was going to feel and what turned into something that I didn't think was going to last, you know, maybe more than a couple months or so ended up now here I am three years later and I haven't looked back from it. And it's done so much for me. I had, I did lose weight when I was doing it, even though it wasn't my, it wasn't my goal. Um, Mm -hmm. But once again, I think I had a lot of inflammation in my body that was still there. And I feel like that helped with it so much that reducing that inflammation just, you know, helped with the weight loss. Um, It helped me in so many ways, but the biggest, the biggest thanks I have for keto is that, you know, it became less about a diet and more about a lifestyle and more about my health. And I'm just really thankful that I gave it a shot. You know what I mean? Like I never (laughs) expected it to turn into my lifestyle of all Mm -hmm. things. I went to, I was at vitamin shop the other day just because I was kind of checking out to see because now they're starting to carry a lot more, you know, keto friendly items. And the clerk said to me, oh, how's your keto diet going? And I was like, oh, it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. And I said, I'm so passionate about it. And I love it so much. And now I love all the research that has to do with it. And she just kind of like blinked at me. And (laughs) she was just like, that's nice. And she moved on. And I'm like, yep, I am crazy passionate about this. Well, you gotta be. I mean, it's hard not to be. Because, uh, I mean, it's just, you come for the weight loss, or in your case, the autoimmune, and you stay for the lifestyle, because it's just, there's so many cognitive benefits, and just so many other benefits that you don't really realize or think about, or at least I know I didn't. Yeah, big time. I didn't realize, like, all these benefits were going to come with it. I didn't realize... I knew that it would probably make me feel a little better. But like I said, I honestly, I wasn't sure how sustainable it was going to be. And it, now it makes me laugh when I see people who say, oh, it's it's not sustainable. And I'm just like, really? Because I've been doing this for three years and I've talked to people who have been, you know, eating a ketogenic diet for 20 plus years. Like, tell me what is not sustainable about that? Right. I mean, you have all the good things. We have the meat. We have the butter. We have the avocados and the coconut oil. What else do you need? And also coffee, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. it's just <laughs> once you switch the mindset of being scared and afraid to let go of your security blankets, you know, and the ways of Hagen Ducks and, you know, just other bread products, once you give away that security blanket, it's so much easier and it's so freeing because I don't know about you, but when I was when I was younger, it would be I'd have a bagel with cream cheese and a very, very sugary coffee for breakfast, and then have a pop pop for lunch or for snack, and then have a cookie for snack too, and then I'd have something random like a a sandwich for lunch, and then I'd have snack again, and then dinner I'd have ramen with some meat in it. And it's like that's yeah. that's not sustainable because it's that's not sustainable. And I read somewhere right? the other day. I read somewhere the other day that the average person eats like up to 300 of like up to 300 grams of carbohydrates per day. Goodness gracious. That's yeah. Which I, I thought was like, crazy. Right. Goodness. Like I probably do that in like a month, maybe a week if it's a really bad week. But that's yeah. It's, it's crazy to me. And I think it's, you know, for me, like I said, I had a, I had to be really real with myself about my sugar addiction, but I feel like my sugar addiction became really real once I went keto and I realized like all the stuff that I was cutting out. Um, You know, like you were saying, there's a lot of food freedom with it. I know that there's a lot of people who find recovery from eating disorders with it. And I, I don't, I don't know that I specifically had an eating disorder per se, as far as like, I don't think I'm like, someone who could be classified as a binge eater, but I mean, it was definitely easy to, to overeat sugar. Mm -hmm. And so now I don't, it's, it's crazy to me because now I can never see myself going back to that lifestyle. I I guess I don't really trust myself either in a way because I know myself. And so it's just like, I'm happier this way. I feel good eating this way. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's nothing that makes me want to go back to be honest with you. Oh yeah. I, I feel you. I am. I am a fiend when it comes to sugar. Uh, my wife, she loves to tell everybody that there was this one time we had like a, a Costco-sized thing of sodas in the house. Mm-hmm. And Costco-sized sodas, they're like a 25-pack. And I finished all of my sodas, which is a 25-pack, because Dr. Pepper. 
and then I finished almost all of her coats. <laughs> Not one day. It was like maybe over like two weeks. And she went for a coke and she's like, Hey Megan, where's the cokes? And like I got a guilty look on my face. So I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, You finished all of them? <laughs> and it's just I know myself well enough to I don't keep that stuff in the house. Like there's certain things, obviously, since I'm keto, I won't keep those things in the house anyways. But even the keto treats sometimes I'm like, I can't I can't have that because I know myself well enough to I know that if I'm hungry and if I'm just sort of meandering around the house with nothing quite to do for like another five minutes, somehow that bag of chips will be in my hand and like I've just opened it up and I'm like, harm crisp, harm crisp. Don't get me wrong, they're not bad. <laughs> but you have to know what you can and can't handle. And me, exactly. I just, yeah, I just, no sugar because if I have sugar, I end up like, a crack addict wanting more. Yeah. And I don't, you know, and for me, I don't want sugar because I don't want to go back to feeling that way anymore. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that it's completely cured all of my symptoms and the issues, you know, everyone's got their good days and their bad days, but man, it has helped so much that I just, I, I just, I can't imagine going back to that way. I don't want to feel that way anymore. I like the way I feel now. I I like the way I feel now so much more. Right. I, I have ADHD. And so since I've done keto, it's my symptoms are not really there. I still have the hyperactivity and sometimes I get distracted like a squirrel still. But on a general basis, I can sit down and I can do computer work for an hour or two if I need to. And I'm not constantly having to worry about calm down and focus because I can do that now. And if I go to a restaurant and I get cross-contaminated with like some sugar or some wheat, I can tell because my symptoms start to kick up a little bit and like I had something I shouldn't have had. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like some people think that's a bad thing because they're like, I don't want food to trigger these things and they see it as a bad thing, but I see it as a liberating thing because I know what my body can and can't handle. And I know that if I do do something I shouldn't do, I know the triggers to I know why it happened, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the biggest thing, too, that I've realized throughout my whole health journey. I mean, starting with my diagnosis with celiac disease and having to kind of navigate those waters alone, you know, fast forward to now, the best thing about my journey, like, I'm not upset about having celiac disease. I'm not upset about having to be sick. You know, I wish I hadn't gone through that, but it is what it is. It's, It's brought me to something that I'm very passionate about now. And the best part about it is that through all of it, and especially the longer you do keto, you become Mm -hmm. so much more in tune with your body. And -hmm. I think that's amazing. Like you said, you can, you know, because you eat something and you can tell that something's not right. And I feel like, you know, a a lot of times when people first start keto, you know, they test their ketones and their blood sugar. Um, They do it a lot. I even, I did it. But at this Mm -hmm. point, I don't feel like I have to do that because I feel like I know I basically know how I feel when things are good. And I know how I feel when something maybe spikes something too high, you know, along those lines. So it's so nice to be able to be more in tune with your body more than, more than you probably ever were before. Oh yeah. It's, it's freaking crazy how in tune I am. And to your point, it's, it's awesome how liberating it is. And so when exactly did you get uh, diagnosed with celiac like uh, year wise? So that was in 2009. So I've been gluten-free now for about for 10 years. Goodness gracious, nothing was out for celiac back then. Oh my gosh, it was it was terrible. I mean, actually, it's funny because people would tell me, oh, you're so lucky. When I was diagnosed, there was nothing. And I'm looking around like, well, what else is there right now? Like, I'm not... I'm not really sure what you're talking about, but you know, to be honest with you, I kind of liked it better because at the time there really weren't that many, um, packaged products. I had to make a lot of stuff on my own, but I kind of preferred that. I'm I'm not saying that I wouldn't enjoy any sort of gluten-free or even now any sort of keto packaged food, but I honestly, I felt my best when I was eating, when I was approaching it from like a whole foods standpoint and was making my own food, knowing what I was putting into everything, didn't have to worry about cross-contamination. So -hmm. at the time when I went gluten-free, there really weren't too many packaged processed products. So in a way it was probably, in a way it was a good thing really. Yeah, I can completely understand that because I mean, when people ask 
because sometimes they'll see the crazy things I eat and they're like, wait, you're not eating a, why are you just eating meat and cheese and no bun? <laughs> So I'll mention it. They're like, oh, you know, you can just get the gluten-free bread down the aisle. It's the same thing. It's just right down the, like, I don't want the gluten-free bread. Like, it's, no. it, yes, there, it might be gluten-free. It might not have the wheat, rye, barley, or sorghum. Yeah, that's awesome. But it still has the rice flour. It still has the potato yeah. starch. And you're just, you're, I love gluten-free. But sometimes the things that are packaged as gluten-free they're just as bad as the gluten substitute and in some cases worse. Yeah. A lot of times they're worse because they're even more processed and they're devoid of a lot of nutrients that, you know, Mm -hmm. people can argue that you can get in wheat and you won't get that in those other products. And it's funny that you say that about the bun because I have grown to love eating bunless burgers. I mean, I used to be that person that if they had a gluten-free bun, I'd be like, oh my gosh, yes. But to be honest with you, like I love not eating the bun now. To me, I feel like I get more out of my, if I get a burger, I get more out of it. That way I can taste everything. It's just, I don't know. To me, it's so much better now. I I don't miss having a gluten-free bun or any bun for that matter. Right. I'm like, just give me the meat, give me the cheese, give me fork and knife and, you know, maybe some condiments if they're good and I'm good. I mean, I have my own ketchup here because I'm a snob like that. But, you know, Mm -hmm. that's all you need. The rest is just filler. And, I mean, anytime I do, if it is like a gluten-free bun or like keto bun or what have you, it's just, it seems like all of the good, like, sauce and the drippings of the burger just get soaked into the the bun. It's just not as good or flavorful or juicy. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I just, now I, even if I had an option... Um, for a keto bun or something, for the most part, I'd, I'd just go without because I like enjoying the taste of my burger and everything that's that's on it. Right. I mean, it's it's part of the process of switching from the keto diet to the keto lifestyle because it's keto is good like that because at first you think you're going in for the diet and then they get their claws in you and then you just don't want to leave because of mm-hmm. all the other benefits. And if that's what gets you to bridge the gap from going from the standard American diet to the keto diet, that's awesome. Yes, use those things now, but just don't be afraid to let go of those security blankets later. And I think it's awesome that you didn't just go straight from the standard fare to the keto diet. It was a slow progression. It was vegetarianism. It was vegan and then gluten-free and then Whole30, paleo, uh, AIP, and then finally keto. Like that's basically what my journey was too because you know I started just trying to get smaller and then I realized my ADHD symptoms got better and then I slowly realized that you know the I bring out more and more carbs and I feel better and better and I went from slow carb to paleo to you know now keto and I guess it's a good gateway drug almost (laughs) yeah that's a good way to put it it's a gateway drug Right? Oh, that's funny. Well, it's good because especially if you come from the paleo, primal, or um, autoimmune side of it, it's you're used to already having the idea of real food first yeah. versus coming from the standard American diet. You're used to getting things out of packages. So you do keto, but you do like a keto version of the standard American. And that's right. not necessarily the best because you got to get dirty. you got to cook your own food to connect better with it because when you do that, your body's better because, yeah, the packaged keto stuff is tons better than the packaged regular stuff, but it's still whole food first because when you can get your nutrition from a whole food, you're able to not have to supplement as much with other, you know, other uh, vitamins and so forth because exactly. you're getting, yeah, you're, Instead of taking vitamin A, have some liver. Exactly. Well, yeah, because all the nutrients in our food, or especially in liver, you know, there's just, there's so much more bioavailable, meaning our bodies are going to utilize them so much more. They don't have to go through so many conversions, you know, in the body to make something like vitamin A. It's, it's already there and easy for our bodies to use. And I think a lot of people, you know, there's times that I've talked about Um, eating less packaged foods. You know, I'm not perfect. I definitely have enjoyed, you know, a packaged keto product here or there, whatever. But sometimes I think people get offended 
by it when you say, you know, that a whole foods approach is better. Some people, I'm not sure why, but to be honest with you, I, I've felt my best doing a whole foods approach to it. And I know that there are a lot of people that eventually, you know, cause it's such a journey. I don't want to judge anyone either at whatever point that they're at, because I started somewhere, they're going to start somewhere. But I feel like eventually a lot of those people end up moving towards a whole foods approach and then they feel so much better too. So as long as they get there, that makes me happy. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's a slow process to keep improving on what you already have. It's getting better slowly over time. And yeah, I completely agree. If you need those keto things in the beginning, that's fine. No judgments, but understand if, for example, you're going in for a weight loss, if you end up stalling out, just know that there's real food around here too. You don't just have to stick with the keto poop stuff. And I mean, it's neither a good thing nor a bad thing because yeah, it's not a staple of your diet, hopefully. And it's just, it's a supplement. So for example, if you're on the run and you know, you don't want to stop at, you know, a, a Wendy's or something because yeah, it's better that it's meat, but it's probably not the best kind of meat, but right. if you're out and about and you happen to have, I don't know, like, um, the keto brick or, you know, like a, a random keto cookie, it's, it's good and it'll keep you sustained or even a bulletproof coffee, but understand that it's, it's a supplement. It's because you can't stop by, get a good grass fed burger because those aren't, you know, there's not burger fries everywhere. <laughs> right. Which I've heard of Burger Fi. I've never had it before. We have them here in San Antonio. There's, they're pretty decent. I mean, they're a little expensive, what you expect, but they're not bad. They have a good, uh, they have a burger with like the bacon and a fried egg on top, which is amazing. It's not bad. That does sound amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's, I, I definitely love my, I definitely love my red meat. I never disliked red meat. Like I, when I was a vegetarian and vegan, it was more for what I thought at the time were ethical reasons. Um, but it wasn't really, I, I wasn't like disgusted by meat. It didn't bother me. If people around me ate meat, I wasn't like that. But when I went back to eating meat and especially now on keto, um, I've learned to love it so much more. And I think a, a huge benefit for being on a ketogenic diet or living this lifestyle has been knowing or learning how to cook my meats really well. Like I think when I first started keto, I was really bad at cooking steak. Oh my gosh, it was horrible. And I rarely did it because I don't know, I was just really bad at it. And now I I don't know. I just, I love cooking steak. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I think I do a pretty, pretty darn good job with it. And I, I just think it's awesome. Like the things you learn, you know, you come, you come for the diet for hopefully for some sort of benefit, whether it's weight loss or for your health, but you get so much more out of it in so many different areas of your life. It's awesome. Oh oh yeah. It's cooking good steak is an art form. I must say. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) but yeah, it's keto's a lot more than just high fat, low carb, moderate protein. I mean, that that's the bare bones of it, but it's, extremely different depending upon who you are and what your what reasons you're seeking from it. So for example, my keto diet is completely different from my wife's. And my wife's would be completely different from somebody having a um, an epileptic keto diet or even right. somebody with a you know more of a um, endurance-based keto diet. And the same thing with more of a weightlifting-based keto diet. They're completely different, but they fall under the same umbrella because yeah. you, you know, your body just needs different nutrients depending upon what you get coming at it. And that's one thing I love about it is because once you realize, once you think you have it all figured out, you realize that there's there's another wrinkle and there's another piece to you know peel back. And it's sort of like the Russian nesting uh, nesting dolls where you open it up and oh, there's a tiny one. There's more to this. And especially with the research side, with we haven't even gotten close to understanding all of the stuff on, you know, like the chemical level, level, the body level, just all of it in general. It's how all of it plays into even the diet portion with the mental portion and the just everything. It's crazy sauce. I know. And I think for me, that's why it's become like this like it's become such a passion of mine is because there's so much to learn about it. 
you know, that I, like I said in the beginning, my education was reading through Reddit and I just started kind of going down the rabbit hole there. And then once I started living the lifestyle, you know, I joined, I had joined Instagram and I was trying to get ideas and, you know, find some inspiration from others. I was looking for people who were kind of, um, kind of on a similar, like doing it for similar reasons. But then I started learning more about the science because a lot of people will post research on there or they'll talk about other things or you hear about a podcast like yours, you know, and you get to hear all these neat things. And I was just like, oh my gosh, there's so much to learn. And it's all so exciting and interesting to me how this diet can help so many people. I mean, especially with its original, for its original cause for epilepsy, you know, it's crazy because they were, they've been using the diet for so long, not really Mm -hmm. understanding why it was working and how it was helping. Of course, now they're starting to get a better picture on that. But it's just so neat that there's just so much science that's still yet to be untapped with it. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it seems like, well, with any research study, really, once you finish a research study, it's just, there's more questions than answers generated from it. Because (coughs) it's it's only the beginning, and it's only going to get better, because not only is our equipment getting better, more accurate, more precise, you know, we're able to figure out like it used to just be LDL, HDL, and now we can figure, you know, pattern A, pattern B, you know, uh, one and two. It's just even more nuanced. And I'm pretty sure us in 50 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, really? We thought, we thought that's how it worked. Oh no, we're completely wrong. Think about between now and 50 years ago, you know, 50 years ago, it was about the sixties and the seventies and the low fat craze was not necessarily in its infancy, but it was starting to gain momentum and get really big. And it's just, we've become leaps and bounds, but we still have even farther to go because yes, a lot of people understand the positives that come from a keto diet, but still a lot of people don't quite understand it. And they assume that it's, I mean, they look at the face of Atkins, I guess, and they see that. But really, it's it's not the Atkins diet. It's a little bit different. It's very close, but it's not that. It's a healing diet. And this is probably one of the few diets that seems like a panacea. I mean, I can't think of anything I want help with, but I don't want to call it that. It just seems like it because so many people get so elated when they start speaking about it that Obviously, some people will get turned off by that because they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. When something sounds too good, it probably is. But it's like, don't eye roll until you try it. Give it 30 days. See how you look, feel, look that. See how you look, feel, and perform. And if you feel better, if you look better, if you want to actually get out and play with your kids outside, if you're making good food choices, why is that a bad thing? Right. Yeah. That, that's that's a really good point. And, you know, where I work at the, at the university I work at, I'm really lucky to work with one of my best friends. Um, and she's a professor and she teaches a wellness class. And so she she so graciously has given me the opportunity um, that they're on a trimester basis. So about once every three months, I get to do a presentation to them about keto. And the first thing I say to them is that, you know, I'm not saying that this diet is a cure-all for everything, but I want you to know the actual research that shows the benefits, you know, and maybe even some of the negatives against it. But you know, this isn't meant to be a dogmatic um, talk about keto. But you know, at the same time, I think that you should all try it at least once if you can, of course, depending on your own health. But Mm -hmm. if you can try it and just see how you feel. Exactly. And that's, that's all it is, because you're only one step away, or you're only one food choice away from being keto or not keto. And I mean, coming into even when I coach people to try and be keto for those who come to me and want help for that, like it's some people fall off the bandwagon. It's like, whoa, you, you can do it or you don't have to do it. I won't judge you one way or the other. But at the end of the day, if you choose not to eat keto, it's fine. But you're always one meal away from getting, you know, if you want to go more keto or if you want to go paleo or if you want to go primal, you're only one food choice away and that's all it is and (laughs) I mean I guess it's it's weird because it seems like so many people are fixated on oh you do that diet 
And it's like, that, that's not what it's about. Why, why would I judge someone based on if they're vegan, keto, paleo, you know, eat the standard American diet? That's, that's no judgment on you. You can do whatever you want, but I just ask for the same respect. <laughs> If that makes any sense. Yeah, same here. I just, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, as we know, there's a lot of um, misinformation out there. There's a lot of negative talk. I mean, even today I was scrolling through my Facebook feed and there was an article that had popped up from one of the local news stations that said, um, fad diets like keto can cause gout. And luckily when I looked at the comments, which is what you're not supposed to do, but when you look, I looked at the comments, um, a lot of people were actually pretty upset that they were calling out keto and saying all the positive things that keto had done for them. And so I decided I'm going to read what this article says. I want to know, like, are they backing this up with anything? And when I read the article, they didn't even, they didn't make any mention of keto, but they just used it for the headline to just as clickbait. And so it just really bugged me because I'm like, here they are making this link between keto and gout in a headline. So now somebody's not even going to read the article. They're just going to see the headline and then now have a negative connotation about it without even really knowing. And so there's so much of that negativity out there. And that's why I guess me and you and everyone else in this keto community, we just have to keep doing what we're doing and showing the positives and the benefits to it. I mean, we can be real about the negatives as well, but I think we need to show people that, it's not what it gets portrayed to be sometimes. Oh yeah, I mean, honestly, gout is an excess sugar accumulation or excess, I can't speak. It comes from more excess sugar than anything. That's actually what one of my first blog posts was about, is yeah. the link between, you know, gout, is it the sugar, is it the meat? Well, when, when you're eating both, you know, a burger with a bun and a beer, well, yeah, I guess it's easy to say, yeah, maybe, maybe it's the, maybe it's the meat, or maybe we just take out the sugar, take out the bun, take out the beer, and hey, guess what? Most of the time, for most people, the gout symptoms will go away. Yeah, you might have a flare-up, but it's, it's not. If you have a flare-up, it's not the keto that's the problem. It's a flare-up that happens. Yeah. It's gracious. <laughs> I think Gary Telbs even did that. Uh, wrote a little bit about gout in his most recent book, oh. the Sugar Book, I think it was. Yeah, I know he has a, a gout chapter in like the his second book that got edited out, and it I found that on like a Tim Ferriss podcast, the huh. uh, unedited gout chapter. Yeah, it was actually really interesting. That is really interesting. I'll have to look that up. Just because you know, like I said, there's always. It's always negative. There's a lot of negativity out there about it. I'm not really sure why, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm not really sure why people are going to be negative about something where you're eating actual good foods. I, I'm not, I, there's also a meme floating around that says something like you're, you didn't have a, you know, you have a problem with my diet now, but you didn't have a problem when I was eating Big Macs and Snickers and sodas. And right. it's just really funny how that works. But, you know, I, my biggest thing is to my, like like on social media right now, I do put a lot of the meals that I eat. It's more so to inspire other people, you know, with uh, with meal ideas. But also, you know, I'm I'm starting to do post a lot more um, research and scientific findings, and just just to show people like it's so much more than just a diet. Mm-hmm. It is sustainable. There is a lot of positive outcomes with this diet. Um, and so that's, that's been my mission now is, and that's what I've really become passionate about. Heck yeah. That's, that's the awesome thing is just putting out the good word, understanding that, that, yeah, it might not be for everybody. Everybody's a little bit different and it's fine. Try it. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it. (laughs) Right. And I think it's awesome that, you know, you put out your content, which is super awesome. And I really like it when you do the research stuff because it gives me more homework to read (laughs) Yay. Right? Hey, I can never not read. I don't know what I was going to say there. Well, it's fun for me, and I'm pretty (laughs) sure... I'm pretty sure when I'm at work, people, the IT department gets upset with me because I start reading and then I start going down the rabbit hole and all of a sudden I have like 30 tabs open and they're like, what are you doing to the computer? (laughs) I'm so sorry. It's just so cool and interesting. I just, I can't help it because once you start reading about one thing, you maybe want to understand something else a little bit better and then it just kind of goes from there. 
Oh yeah, it's it's awesome. I don't always 100% fully understand exactly what I'm writing, but I get the gist most of the time. <laughs> hey, even sometimes I don't, and I have to reread things, or like I said, I start opening new tabs to try to understand a certain mm-hmm. process. Um, that happens a lot, so I had I also have started writing blog posts for Life Omic. Um, they have an app called Life App that a lot of people use now to track their fasting. They've got fasting circles you can join, a lot of groups. But my favorite thing about them is they do post a lot of evidence-based, research-based blog posts. And so I started doing that. I only have a few articles on the blog right now, um, but it's been really fun to do. But I definitely go down that rabbit hole and I definitely have to open a million tabs and try to understand what I'm reading sometimes. Sometimes it can be very dense, but it can be very rewarding once you understand it. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I'll go back and I'll read one that I wasn't 100% clear on after like months go by and my knowledge base is that much more. And I go back and I'm like, I don't know why I didn't get this. It seems like it just falls into place so much easier now. And once you, yeah, you know, when your base of knowledge is widened, it's it's easier to connect the dots from A to B and B to C and so forth. Because yeah, when you first start, it's going to be scary. It's going to, you're going to be inundated with a ton of new information and it's, it's just, you're going to feel like a deer in the headlights, but just stick to the basics, understand what you can understand, but don't be afraid to seek more knowledge. And when you don't understand that knowledge, don't be afraid to reach out for help. Because exactly, yeah, because so many people here in the keto community, they, they have no problem taking some time to explain it to you if you ask them. Because I, I've reached out for like three or four or five people to do interviews, and I haven't gotten a no yet. And it's because we are all so passionate and we just want to share our knowledge, and we're not afraid to, generally speaking, meet the people where they're at, explain to them, you know what their problem is and help them along the way. That's the one thing I love about all the people I've uh, come in contact with so far. It's just yes. it's so awesome. I agree. And I think that's, that's what's, that's what's made this passion even more is that I, I've learned so much from people and in turn, I feel like I can now help others with that same knowledge. And that's really what drives that passion. And I just, I feel like I learn something every single day from someone, especially in the keto community, mm-hmm. learning something new. And I just, I absolutely love that. That's awesome. So where do you see yourself like uh, diet, lifestyle, and even just with, you know, writing that small blog post, where do you see yourself progressing in the next few years? If you don't mind me asking. No, I definitely see myself staying with keto. I, I you know, I, when I first started keto, I used to tell, you know, my friends and family like, Oh, I'm, I'm sure I'll go off eventually when I'm ready. And I, don't feel like it's, I don't even feel like it's a question of being ready or not. I just, I don't want to, I like, like I said, I like the way I feel. So I see this continuing. Um, there's so many different things that I, that can be fine tuned. There's things to experiment. You know, I did experiment with carnivore, um, for a little bit. Um, so it's fun for me because I think of my science background, I just, I love to experiment with different things. And so I'm sure that there's something that I'm going to experiment with. I just, I don't know what yet. Um, But other than that, you know, a lot of people have asked me what my next steps are as far as with everything. I honestly don't know. I'm enjoying writing for the blog. I do enjoy the scientific writing. I enjoy bringing information um, to people based off what I'm learning. Maybe eventually I'd love to write a book. I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, I've just, I have my master's in microbiology and immunology And so I've definitely toyed with the idea of going for the PhD and doing something with keto. Um, But I just, honestly, I have no idea just yet. It's just something that every day keeps, it keeps changing, but in a good way. So I'm kind of just going with it. Try not to plan too much. Hey, that's, that's the way to do it. You don't want to, you know, get too focused on one thing, you know, when you're not sure and just end up going down the wrong rabbit hole and, you know, five years later, you're like, I hate what I'm doing. I don't want to do it Yeah, anymore. and it's crazy, though, because it's changed my, like I said, it, keto's changed my life in so many ways. I never, I never knew, you know, three-ish years ago that when I was 
gorging myself on Christmas cookies that I would be sitting here today with 800 tabs open on keto <laughs> research and talking to you and talking to others about it. I, I just, I never knew that that was going to happen. And I'm just so grateful and thankful that, you know, that I'm even doing this right now. So thank you so much for inviting me and talking to me about it because it's, it's just been a, it's just been a wild, amazing ride. Right. Well, it's no problem. First off, you're welcome back anytime you want to come on. <laughs> and second yeah. off, right. And second off, it's, it's easy to, you know, get stuck in the day to day, just doing everything again and again. And until you have a chance to sit back, tell your story and see where you've come, you don't really realize all the things you had to do to get you on the path you're on right now. You know, you, I'm pretty sure, you know, the middle school, you, you didn't think you'd be on this path at all. Heck, you thought you were going to be a veterinarian at one point. And it's, it's all of these winding roads, the path that you want to do that make you the person you are today. And it's an awesome thing because that's what the world needs. It's all of these individual stories that make up the composition of what a healthy lifestyle means to you. And I'm not just talking about keto here, a lifestyle more than just the food you put down your mouth, but it's your outlook on life. I know when I started this, it's, it's snowballed into more mindset than anything now. Mm -hmm. And that's my main focus is I've dealt with depression because I have a happier mindset. It's easier to do that. It's easier to have, a healthier, happier life. And it's just, it's amazing. And you don't quite know where you're going to end up in this world, but God, I hope it's a good yeah, one. Right? The only thing, the only thing I know for sure is that I through this all, you know, what I've always wanted to do was to be helpful. And, you know, I wanted to help animals and I'm, I'm not saying that I don't care about animals now. Of course I do, but it's turned into helping people. And I just, I love helping people. And that's my ultimate goal is to help. If I can help one person or two people, you know, that's, that's awesome. Then I feel like, and I think that's where a lot of my happiness has come from too, has been just in service of others. And that's just been a big key of it all as well. Oh, heck yeah. I completely understand that. I can, I know I've had a good day when I can help somebody through a struggle, be it any kind of struggle, keto, personal, whatever. It's because, I mean, that's what the core of it all is, is think about, you know, hunter-gatherer times, you all commune and you just want to help people. You know, think about the grandmothers and grandfathers. That's when they stop being parent, that's, that's their role is to be the person that guides, to help. And I think that we as individuals, we want that. We just, we want to help people in general. And it's it's not selfish that we want to help people to feel better about ourselves, but it's just a happy coincidence that generally speaking, when you help somebody, you feel pretty darn good about it. And it's just, it's yeah. awesome, right? It's, a, it's a, the best kind of snowball ever. Definitely. It definitely is. Heck yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to cover, my dear, before we wrap things up? I don't think so. It's been nice to share my story. I, fit, I share my story with the students at, you know, at the university, but at that point, I feel like, you know, there's a little bit more of a time constraint, so I kind of have to speed it up, and I'm sure maybe my story was a little long-winded, but it's, it feels good sometimes to to get your story out just because I hope that it can help someone else or maybe, you know, they can realize that they're not alone in what they're going through. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing that's very important is that nobody's alone, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter how hard and how difficult things are, you're not alone. All you have to do is speak up, ask for help sometimes, or just, you know, look for a podcast or, you know, scroll through Instagram. You're going to figure out that you're not alone. And, that's one thing I love about social media, the good side of it, is that it helps you realize that. That, you know, that five o'clock in the morning feeling that you don't want to get out of bed, but you really have to pee. You know, you're like, no, I can wait five more minutes that everybody feels. And just realizing that you're not alone in small stuff like that, or large things like dealing with autoimmune 
regardless of what it is, there's somebody out there dealing with it. And then there's somebody out there that you can reach out to and they can help you. Yes. Yes. And that's, yes. Don't do not be afraid to ask for help. (laughs) Right. Tying it all back together. I couldn't plan this better if I tried. (laughs) (laughs) It was perfect. Right. Goodness. I picked a good one. Actually, I didn't pick a good one. I hit the random button and, well that's all right thank you random button right i love it shuffle is amazing (laughs) all righty well i don't want to steal too much of your time and i do want to be respectful of it so would you like to give the listeners a quick where you know plugs where they can find you and whatnot and i can also link it into the show notes Yes. So my main place is on Instagram and my username is at nourish my gut. Um, and actually the reason why I said nourish my gut was because I was trying to find a way to heal my gut issues. So that's where that came from. Um, and so I also write for the life apps blog. You can find their blog at life apps, L I F E A P P S dot I O. Um, if you have the app, you can also access the blog from there, but there's also links in my Instagram for that as well. Very cool. Alrighty. Uh, do you mind sticking on just to make sure I have all the stuff saved and recorded? Yeah. Before? All right, cool. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining another episode of the Thriving on Fat podcast, as well as the One Take Stove podcast. As always, if you like what you've heard, Please rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast catcher of choice. If you'd like to get the show notes with it, with this or any of the other episodes, it'll be thrivingonfat.com forward slash stoke for the stoke episodes, and thrivingonfat.com forward slash hey listen for the thriving on fat episodes. <coughs> if you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, it's all at thriving on fat. I know I made it very hard for you guys. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I will talk to you next time. <laughs>